Zadavian Sims commits to Oregon. We'll talk about what that means for the Oklahoma Sooners and their defensive line recruiting on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Shout out to all the everydayers, every member of that everyday club for being locked in with Locked On Sooners. Josh, one guy that seemingly is locked in is Zadavian Sims, who it looked like Oklahoma had kind of started turning the page for early last week. But then as his commitment approached on Saturday, Oregon seemed to take the lead again. And it is the Ducks that do land the commitment of the four-star defensive line prospect, the number one player in the state of Oklahoma, according to the top 247 over at 247 Sports. Yeah, disappointing, obviously. I think we sort of prefaced this type of outcome with uh, with our show on Friday. It, it felt like even though you were kind of holding on uh, w- when I when you know we taped the show for Friday, McQuistian Thune, everybody they they still had predictions in for Oklahoma to land Zadavian Sims. Just about as soon as the the publish button was was hit or the schedule button was hit that prediction for Josh McQuistion well it flipped and as soon as that happened it was pretty clear that probably this recruitment was not going to uh, wind up going Oklahoma's direction uh, you know McQuistion that late in the game to go from Oklahoma to Oregon heard something from somebody that uh, signified to him that yes this was going to go in Oregon's direction and, uh, you know, I'm not going to, because Zadavian Sims picks Oregon, turn around and act like Zadavian Sims couldn't have been a terrific player at the University of Oklahoma. Now, with anybody, you know, five-star, four-star guys, you know, across the board, John, we don't know that anybody, and this would this would go for, though I feel like David Stone and Williams Winery probably going to be NFL guys, but everybody nothing's a surefire guaranteed thing we do think that Zadavian Sims blue chip kid had a chance to be really really good at Oklahoma so the fact that he's chosen to go to Oregon I'm not suddenly going to turn around and say that this is not somebody that Oklahoma wanted of course Oklahoma wanted Zadavian Sims it's a legitimate miss and now the question becomes is this a sign of things to come in this class or is the glass half full approach going to be the right one here because john there are still a lot of big names on the board for ou that the sooners are tied to and in forecasted now to land now again we're coming out of a situation where you were forecasted here to land sims for a significant portion of time and it didn't wind up that way but i do think with uh, some of these names that are still on the board if we're talking about even if the class just winds up as basically you get Stone and Winery, and then uh, at the the end of the class maybe you find a couple of names that we weren't expecting right here right now, John, that's going to be a heck of a haul 
for OU. But again, we, we don't have that as any sort of set in stone uh, option right now for Oklahoma. It is a miss. I know people are going to want to preface it and say, well, you know, David Stone and Williams Monary, your top targets, Nigel Smith, one of your top targets, Joseph Jonah, Ajonye, one of your top targets. All those guys are still in play. Totally get that. It's a, it's a reasonable conclusion to come to that. It's going to be okay that Oklahoma still has these high-level prospects along the defensive line that they're actively recruiting and, and looking to get commitments from. At the same time, we've seen you know recruitments go you know ways that we thought weren't that we thought they were going to go Oklahoma's way, and then kind of in the late hour turn away from Oklahoma. Whether it's a David Hicks who it seemed like Oklahoma was in the right you know training in the right direction for. And then it's Texas A&M that he commits to or Gabriel Branlow Dindy, a class before that, where it seemed like, again, Oklahoma was in a really, really good position to get one of the better defensive tackle prospects in the class. And they missed out on him as well. So I do have optimism still that this could turn out to be a really, really good defensive line class. I mean, it's still a great defensive line class. Don't let me I'm not going to even sell it short as really good, because if you do land stone, I mean, you just start there and you land stone. It's a really good start to the class, but if you can land Nigel Smith, which again, it seems like everything is trending in the right direction for Smith. You add Joseph Jonah, Ajonye, Williams, Moneri. Again, those are four guys that Oklahoma is trending very heavily for right now as things stand. Of course, there's a long time to go in the recruiting cycle and things could absolutely change. Maybe perhaps some of the way that uh, Oklahoma fans have reacted to the Zadavian Sim news, Maybe that rubs some of these guys the wrong way. I don't know, but they're still very much in a, a strong position. Uh, you look that you see like a guy like Danny Okoye out of Noah, you know, the number one or two prospect in the, in the state, his reaction to the message board geniuses post that revealed some of Oklahoma's reaction or Oklahoma Sooners fans reaction to Sims's commitment. He's like, Hmm. You never know how that's going to rub people the wrong way. And that's why you got to be so careful, you know, not to couch your disappointment necessarily, but just not to outright rip kids for making life life choices. Like this is a big time decision for him. And it's not like he chose to go to Vanderbilt, which was one of the teams that was on his final five or six schools. He chose a really good school in Oregon with a really good defensive mind in Dan Lanning. So it's not like he's like out here just spurning Oklahoma for a nobody. It's, I mean, it's a top program. Like Oregon is one of the better programs in the country. Are they, do they have the historical success of Oklahoma? Not, not even close, but they're a top brand. So I'm not going to sit here and say like that. It's that it's not a loss. It's not a miss because it is like Josh said, I'm not going to sit here and downplay the kid's talent because he's really, really good. Would have loved to have him on the Sooners and Hey, things could still happen. Like he could still end up going to Oklahoma by signing day. Nothing is off the board. Just because he commits, yes, he's canceled all of his official visits, but I bet he pretty much knows what he what he has with Oklahoma. If he starts to doubt the Oregon situation at all, Oklahoma's still kind of a safe quote unquote fallback option for him. I'm not saying Oklahoma is anybody's fallback option, but in the event that something changes or he has a different you know opinion or feeling about the situation, Oklahoma's still going to be right there. And I mean. That's to say, assuming Oklahoma would still take him at that point, I don't see any reason why not. They've got a strong relationship with the kid. Todd Bates has developed a relationship with him. 
and this is just sometimes the way it goes. You're not going to win every recruiting battle. You're going to win most if you're Oklahoma, but you're not going to win them all. Again, still, what, seven months until early signing period? Nine months until the uh, national signing day for the 2024 class? So a lot of time to turn that thing around, but also, at the same time, still a lot of their top flight prospects on the board. Just to illustrate how close this was to going Oklahoma's direction and to your point that yes, it's a commitment to Oregon, but we've seen commitments before where it it changes directions before the, uh, you know, now early signing period in December or, you know, what is, uh, has always been the traditional national signing day. I'm going off of what Parker Thune put out on Twitter, but uh, basically Zadavian Sims uh, had told Parker Thune, he almost canceled his unofficial visit to Oregon because his mind was made up in his mind. He was already committed to the university of Oklahoma, obviously was not committed to the university of Oklahoma and did take uh, said unofficial visit. And, and I don't say that uh, to disparage the Davian Sims at all. I just say it in the sense that he was very, very close to committing and Brent Venables has a policy, which is don't commit until you're fully committed. Right. And uh, obviously he does wind up taking the unofficial visit and commits to Oregon. But it was it was oh so close, even from Zadavian Sims. So this this recruitment today is done, but it's not done. And that's probably the case with a a bunch of recruitments. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it transpires for transpires for Oklahoma. It's obviously an important development in this class. It's the the first name of several that we had kind of earmarked for this to maybe be a massive defensive line recruiting class for Oklahoma. It can still be, when it's all said and done, a historic defensive line class for Oklahoma, at least for today. It doesn't feel like Sims is going to uh, be a part of that historic class for Oklahoma. A lot of time for a lot of things to change on the recruiting front. We'll continue to follow and track that here on Locked On Sooners. But Josh, we had a big weekend in the Norman Regional for the Oklahoma Sooners softball team. We'll talk about that after the break. First, let me talk to you all about Built Bar. Built Bar is that best tasting protein bar. If you haven't tried it, you're missing out. Tastes great. It's great for you. Low calorie, low carb, low sugar, high in protein. Gives you everything you want in a meal replacement, a pre or post workout, or if you just want an afternoon snack. I know when I'm at work working that 12 hour shift, I need an afternoon snack some every time around 2 3 o'clock. And as opposed to reaching for the donut in the break room or getting the, the bowl of cereal from the coffee shop downstairs, I go to a built bar because I'm getting again, great protein source and low sugar. So go to built.com, use promo code locked 15, get 15% off your next order over at built.com. You can also find them at Sam's and Walmart. Josh, big weekend for OU softball, a 38 to three aggregate scoring against their opposition uh, beat Hofstra on Friday, 11 to nothing came back and beat Mizzou future sec opponent, Mizzou 11 to nothing on Saturday, and then trounced the California golden bears 16 to three on the back of six home runs to a piece from Tiara Jennings and Alyssa Brito. Yeah. It just uh, start to finish dominance for Oklahoma not that you would expect anything differently per se, but hey, it's postseason time. It's a Missouri team, a Cal team that they're uh, they're in this Norman Regional for a reason because they've shown that they can beat good teams. Oklahoma just throttled this Norman Regional, though. I mean, really from the word go, 
the offense, John, I mean, think about it. at times this season, we talked about, hey, why have the bats gone missing this pitcher by committee approach for opponents? Why can Oklahoma not automatically solve that? Well, whatever you wanted to toss at the Sooners in terms of the opponent's uh, approach in the circle, it didn't work this weekend against Oklahoma. I mean, the bats, the lineup, it uh, is firing on all cylinders at the right time. The Sooners just uh, – in, in pitching, right, to only give up uh, the three is uh, is – a lot of what we've seen from this staff that Oklahoma has that uh, on three separate days, they can go, you know, a different direction if they want to and get similar spectacular results for the most part. So uh, now you've won 46 straight and you head into the super regional where it will be Clemson uh, awaiting uh, set to, to come to the supers here in Norman one win to tie that mark from Arizona sweep your way through the supers and all of a sudden Oklahoma will have the uh, all-time consecutive uh, wins mark and oh by the way they'll be heading into the women's college world series you know having won what 48 straight so amazing I I favor Oklahoma to do just that it's uh, kind of incredible what this uh, this program is doing again and again and again Yeah, and there were big performances throughout the weekend. I mean, you know, we talked about you know Tiara Jennings and Alyssa Brito both with two home runs today. Jocelyn Erickson had a home run as well, uh, her first home run of her postseason career. So that's huge for the true freshman. Uh, uh, through the first two games, Kinsey Hansen had had six RBIs and a home run. Sydney Sanders now back to back days with a home run, just now getting going. I mean, you look at what's going on with the Sooners. And it's almost like, Hey, we made it to where we were supposed to make it. We'd had our eyes set on the postseason all year long. We're here. Now it's time to turn it up. And they absolutely turned it up. Like you couldn't have asked for a better weekend. Alex Tarocco, a little shaky there in that third inning where she gave up the three runs, but kind of uncharacteristic, you know, she wasn't able to escape the trouble, get out of the jam. Uh, but Nicole may comes in finishes off the inning and then her and Kirsten deal, they pitch a perfect, you know, two and a third to close out that performance. Just you really can't say enough about how well this team is playing. You know, Jada Coleman, she reached base three times yesterday and or on a Saturday. And, you know, because she walked three times and scored three runs like up and down the lineup, everybody's playing really, really well. Grace Lyons uh, had a couple home runs in the weekend. So just really fantastic performances all the way around, Josh. And, and you know, I think it's easy to sometimes overlook even like what Nicole may did on Friday night and Jordy Bay or Jordy ball did on Saturday. You know, Jordy ball was absolutely electric. The two of them, they allowed just one hit a piece in their Friday, Saturday outings as Oklahoma, you know, just stormed through the first two games, but they were dominant. Nicole may and Jordy ball were, and that's what the difference is between this team and maybe last year's team is that your pitching staff is so stinking good if Oklahoma's bats are going to do what they did this weekend, even if the pitching has one inning where it struggles, like that's not going to be enough to catch up to Oklahoma's offense. You got to hope that your pitchers can keep Oklahoma down, which is going to be a very, very difficult task, whether it's Clemson or whoever they'll face in the women's college world series, assuming they get there. I think it's a pretty safe assumption, but you know, Clemson's a good ball club. They're a good team. There's, there's a reason that they're in the, you know, Super regionals, why they were a seeded team, but 
Oklahoma, I mean, they're coming for it. They're coming for that third straight national championship. It's like they were women on a mission, and once they got where they wanted to get, all things came up, and they just turned it on. It was awesome to watch. Well, and they've got a chance for history before they have a chance for history with the third straight national championship. So we'll we'll see. It's going to be interesting for Oklahoma if you know this first or second game versus Clemson is close. It, it does, does the all-time consecutive wins thing, I mean, is that in there somewhere? Or is that such a motivating factor, John, that it propels them to do more of what we saw in this Norman Regional, where they're just, you know, mashing the, the softball and hitting home runs left and right, and hello, home run village. My name's Sidney Sanders. Just wanted to toss a souvenir out here for you. So I, I think there's a good chance that we do see that. I think to me, I'm going to be surprised if Clemson is able to come into Norman and uh, you know win one of these first two games. I think Oklahoma's sweeping their way into the Women's College World Series, and I think that it's not uh, unfeasible, John, that we're talking about this team having gone undefeated throughout this postseason run, and by the end of it, we're we're having the conversation. Okay, is this the greatest collegiate softball team of all time? Because they would stake their claim to that. Uh, argument. I, I think it'd be hard to say that they they wouldn't be that if you have the all-time consecutive wins in a season, you only lost the one time and you avenge the loss. So uh, uh, just amazing again what Sooner Softball continues to do. How about the rest of the bracket? What happened? UCLA, I mean, it's shocking what happened to uh, to the Bruins, who were the number two overall seed. They're done. They're, they're gone. Florida State had to uh, fight, scratch, and claw their way. Clemson, who Oklahoma will see, it wasn't wasn't was gonna, uh, wasn't just right the way through. How about the rally? Did you see the rally for Washington? Absolutely crazy. Down six nothing to come back with seven runs in the seventh. Just unbelievable performance by them, and and to pull that game out because that was that was it. That was a winner take all game, and they just rallied, man. Incredible. I was gonna say with the Florida State one. I mean, they they got a perfect game out of their pitcher. Like I, I'm blanking on the pitcher's name now, but I mean she just came through and just was dominant um, for the Seminoles this week or on Sunday to, to get them there. And I'm finding it really quick because I don't want to not mention her because it's absolutely worth mentioning. And that was Catherine Sandercock through a perfect game. Florida state's first ever perfect game in the postseason. Incredible. You talked about the Bruins. What's funny about that one, San Diego state, they win the region but didn't have to play UCLA because Grand Canyon and Liberty do all the dirty work for them and they get to advance. Uh, you know, now they got to play Utah. Now that's a, an interesting matchup because Utah, they won the PAC 12 tournament, San Diego States, one of those teams that's been rumored to potentially join the PAC 12 if future expansion occurs. So this could be a future PAC 12 matchup there. Uh, LSU, another seeded team that falls by the wayside. Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They came out of the Baton Rouge Louis, uh, Regional uh, to pick that one up, which was really kind of fun to see these, these unseeded teams win. Oregon, who, I mean, they were probably one of those programs that was just right on the cusp of being able to earn a seed, but you know, just right outside that. I mean, that was a tough bracket um, for the, uh, the Notre Dame fighting Irish Arkansas. I talked about that in one of my write-ups for Sooners wire, just how that was probably going to be one of the more competitive uh, regions up over there in Fayetteville and Oregon advances out of that one. Uh, but, you know, otherwise a lot of it, you know, everybody kind of held serve, you know, Georgia advanced 
uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State woke up. Like, where's this Cowgirls team been for like the last month? All of a sudden, they're just like, okay, yeah, we're good at softball. In case y'all forgot, like, we're really good. And all of a sudden, they just like rolled everybody in their region. Yeah, made the committee look pretty smart and could continue to make the committee look pretty smart if they take care of business in the Stillwater Super versus Oregon. I, you know, just looking at the super regional matchups, I'm going to say that Oklahoma State, Oregon for me is top of the board in terms of super regionals. I think Tennessee, Texas is a, a pretty tasty matchup. I think that's pretty intriguing. Utah, San Diego State, you mentioned that. Uh, Alabama, I, I, Alabama Northwestern is pretty decent. So there's some interesting matchups out there. Uh, Duke, Stanford is your eight nine matchup so we'll see if it plays like an eight nine super regional if it's if it's truly that close so pretty interesting how the bracket uh how the bracket broke and a couple of storylines there that probably we were not expecting for sure yeah and don't sleep on georgia versus florida state (laughs) georgia uh pulled off their best oklahoma sooners impersonation and outscored their opponents in athens 32 to 6 and uh, that included two wins over over a Virginia Tech team. So, I mean, that that's going to be kind of an interesting matchup to watch over there as well. Because, I mean, Florida, you know, that's not that Florida State's not very far from Athens. You could get a pretty good, uh, or sorry, yeah, get a pretty good um, little uh, road road fan base there uh, for the super regional. So it, it it's going to be a great another great weekend. I, I think this past weekend was a lot of a lot of fun having the upsets, having those kind of Cinderella stories, so to speak, having some of these games come down to the wire. I mean, so many games on Sunday were getting down to the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. I mean, Alabama had to survive a late scare um, as well. I mean, these were a, there were a lot of really close games. Uh, Florida State, you know, got pushed by South Carolina. So everybody was kind of under threat a little bit, except for, you know, like Oklahoma, Georgia. I mean, these teams are really, really good across the board. There's a lot of depth and the depth is improving all the time uh, at the collegiate softball level. So just a lot of fun. Last thing we're going to talk about after the break, we're going to talk about where Brent Venables ranked in CBS sports power five college football coaching rankings. First, we're going to talk to y'all about our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Looks like right now the Miami heat and the Denver Nuggets are making a sweeping fast break into the NBA Finals. But, hey, right now, new customers, head on over to FanDuel. No sweat, first bet up to $1,000. What does that mean? That means up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I'm fascinated. I mean, obviously, it would take history on either side uh, for the the – Lakers or the Celtics to come back from their respective 3-0 deficits. I don't think that's happening in either of those two series. I feel like it's going to be Jokic and Murray that wind up on top in the NBA Finals. So if you want to follow Josh, that's the direction I'm going in the uh, NBA Finals, I think. Even though uh, Jimmy Butler is, he does appear to be him. So I'm I'm very intrigued to watch these NBA Finals. But there's no better place to... uh, Place those wagers on the NBA and all of the respective playoff action, NHL playoffs, full swing as well. America's number one sports book. That is FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the folks over at CBS Sports came out with their annual 
power five coaching rankings ranking one through 68. Now that we have a bunch of new teams in the power five and your Brent Venables came in number 11 uh, of the 14, sorry, number 12 of the 14 teams in the big 12 uh, number 52 overall in the power five, which is down seven spots um, in the power five from last year. Josh, do you want to take a guess at who was behind Brent Venables at number 13 and 14? Oh, I, I probably should be able to tell you somebody, uh, somebody from West Virginia. (laughs) Yeah. Neil Brown at West Virginia. And who would be 14th? Well, he was 14. This probably, you're probably not going to get the number 13. So I'll just give it to you. Scott Satterfield. Huh? New Cincinnati coach. Yep. Scott Satterfield. Moving over from Louisville to Cincinnati, you know, he didn't really have a great run at Louisville. Um, he was just, what was he? It just had a, you know, one game over 500 when he was coaching the Cardinals and then he goes to Cincinnati, uh, you know, had, had decent success prior to Louisville, but not really one that's had a upward trajectory. Um, who do you want to, who's your guess at who was number one in CBS sports rankings? Right now, I think that in the Big Twelve, that is in the Big Twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right now, I'd say that probably uh, Chris Kleiman's got a great chance to be right at the top of the board. Uh, how about Coach Kleiman? So he was number two, uh, just behind TCU's Sonny Dykes for making and, the college football playoff. And um, I wonder if I wondered if Sonny Dykes would be at the top. I because of longevity for me, I would go climbing. But obviously, yeah, college football playoff national championship game appearances tough to argue against. All right, now where do you think Mike Gundy ranked on that list? Well, I mean, maybe he came tumbling down the board. I was sort of suspecting he might be right behind those two right there. He was. He was number three actually on the list, uh, followed by Lance Leipold at number four, and then. Uh, Good old, good old, good old faithful Dave Aranda at number five, Gus Malzahn at six, Matt Campbell at seven, Steve Sarkeesian at eight, which I thought was interesting. You know, like there's a lot of hype behind Texas right now, but not enough to really bump Steve Sarkeesian up the board much. He he jumped up just two spots from number 39 to number 37 after Texas had a pretty solid year last year. So the Texas hype is churning, but there's still not a hundred percent faith in Steve Sarkeesian to kind of take them to that next step. We'll see how that goes. Uh, And then you got Kalani Sataki at number nine, number 10, Joey McGuire and number 11, Dana Holgerson, again, just ahead of Brent Venables at number 12, Scott Satterfield at 13 and Neil Brown at 14. Any surprises for you on that list as I'm looking at it? I don't know that there's uh, any massive surprises I, I i don't know in venables at 12 unfortunately you have to earn it and six and seven in one season as a head coach at a place like oklahoma would not be would not be that so i'm not i'm not shocked to see brent you know tumbling down the board here a little bit what about for you anything you know leipold at, at what was he four was Fourth the, the big 12 yeah i that that's a little bit surprisingly high for me. Uh, I know that uh, obviously nice track record coming in, but uh, you know, to me, 
maybe not the same longevity as some of the other names in the mix. So I'm, I'm maybe a little surprised there, but coming off of a, a good season, okay, I get it at a place like Kansas where basically you're getting extra credit for anything positive. Yeah. It, it's a, you know, it's an interesting list. What, what it says to me is that Brent Venables has a really good chance to make his way way up the board. If he were going to be in the big 12 next year, say they won the big 12, he'd have a chance to kind of jump into the top two or three. If he were to have that kind of a season um, with the Sooners, because I mean, a lot of people believe he's a really good coach. It's just, he hasn't proven it yet. Well, if he came out and won the big 12 this year, he'd have a chance to kind of rise significantly, significantly higher up this list. Now, He's going to be an FCC coach going into 2024. It'd be interesting to see like, okay, if he wins the big 12, how much would CBS sports give him credit for when they go into the SEC next year? Would he end up being a top 25 coach, top 30 coach as things stand right now, he's number 52 in the nation. So he's kind of got a long way to go. Or what did I say? 52 or 58 in the nation. Um, got a long way to go to, to proven, you know, that he's got the yeah 52 um, he's got the goods to be a, a long tenured head coach at the power five level. But I kind of like where Oklahoma's at right now with this. We've got a lot to prove situation. You know, it, it's better. And it, it is a bit surprising to see them ranked in preseason top 25 power rankings. But I think even them, they'd tell you, we've got a lot to prove to ourselves and to the country. As they should as they should. And that's just the way that it is coming off of the season that Oklahoma had. And that's not to say that there's not a lot of belief in Brent Venables, in this staff and, you know, within this group of players, I think that they think that they're good, John, but they're not going to go out there for the most part outside of maybe an LOL from one key Lawrence every now and again. I don't think that they're going to go out there beating the chest a bunch about how much better they are than everybody else because they get it. They, they get that 2022 was a big time disappointment. And now you got to go prove that that's not who this program is. And it's not who this program will continue to be. And we can't wait to see this team get out there and prove it on the football field. Come September, We're still just over three months away from the start of the college football season, but make sure you're tuned in for every bit of preseason coverage that we'll have for you here on locked on Sooners subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcasts We're free and available on all platforms and on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop, follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref myself at John nine Williams. And the show is locked on Sooners on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. If you want to go over there, uh, check that out as well. But until next time, He's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer sooner.